Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today we're covering 2 Kings 13, 14, Proverbs 16, and Galatians 5. And I got to tell you, I hope you stick around through the Proverbs to get to Galatians because Paul, he is saying something so good today and I just can't, I'm so excited. I can't wait to share it with you. I would start there, but but I'm starting in Proverbs 16 because you got to get your feed of Proverbs. It's so good, right? Because we're all constantly growing in wisdom. So here we are, chapter 16 of Proverbs. And I will read through the whole thing because you can't summarize Proverbs. To humans, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer to the, of the tongue. That one you could meditate on for months and get different understandings. Craziness, right? Uh, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans classic one. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests. The Lord works out everything to its proper end. Wow. You got to hold firm to that one because sometimes in this reality, we think that this is like things aren't going to, aren't going the way we want. But just remember the Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will go. They will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Though the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. Oh, through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. When the Lord takes pleasure in anyone's ways, he causes their enemies to make peace with them. Ooh. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Oh my gosh, you see how every verse in Psalms, like you could just talk about it, but I'm not going to, I'm trying not to. The lips of a king speak as an oracle and his mouth does not betray justice. Honest scales and balances belong to the Lord. All the weights in the bag are of his making. King Kings detest wrongdoing for a throne is established through righteousness. Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value the ones who speak what is right. A king's wrath is a messenger is a messenger of death, but the wise will appease it. When a king's face brightens, it means life. His favor is like a rain cloud in spring. Okay, one point here I want to make is we're reading a lot. We're in Kings on the Old Testament. These kings do not sound like this. So it's so important we understand the kings of old, the kings of evil times. And then obviously we're talking about the king of kings. Um, wow. How much better to get wisdom than gold to get insight rather than silver. The highway of the upright avoids evil. Those who guard their ways preserve their lives. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. The wise in heart are called discerning, and gracious words promote instruction. Prudence is a fountain of life to the prudent, but folly brings punishment to fools. The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent, and their lips promote instruction. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. 
gracious words. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. The appetite of laborers works for them. Their hunger drives them on. The appetite of laborers works for them. Oh my gosh, you see? Each verse, I, I'm biting my tongue because I... I want to, like the appetite of labors, does that mean like motivation and drive? So good. The appetite of labors works for them. Their hunger drives drives them on. A scoundrel plots evil and on their lips it is like a scorching fire. A perverse person stirs up conflict and gossip separates close friends. A violent person entices their neighbor and leads them down a path that is not good. Whoever winks with their eye is plotting perversity. Whoever purses their lips is bent on evil. And you can kind of chuckle on that one. You can kind of giggle like, okay, so we can't wink or we can't purse our lips. Um, Maybe that was a cultural thing back then. But what we can take from it is how body language, what people are speaking with their body language. Maybe back then it was winking an eye and pursing our lips. What is it today? Maybe seductive dress, um, you know, body language speaks. Okay. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It is attained in the way of righteousness. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. The lots, the lot is cast into the lap, but is ever, but it's every decision is from the Lord. <laughs> okay. You guys got to read that and meditate on it and ponder on it because There was so much gold, but let's move on to Paul. What's he doing here? You know what this whole discussion that he's having with Galatians at this point, it's because they think they're supposed to get circumcised because now that they are Christ followers and Jesus was a Jew and they think that they have to follow all the Jewish laws, they want to get circumcised. And he's saying, what have I taught you? He's saying, remember how you thought so highly of me when I was here the first time? Remember how you could really see your eyes were opened and you were full of so much passion. Why are you now like bending to the culture? And that's what he's saying in chapter five. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by yokes of slavery. And then he's going to talk to them about circumcision. Now we might say, well, yeah, don't get circumcised. Or we might say, yeah, we shouldn't be legalistic. We shouldn't be doing Christianese, following all the legalism. Exactly. But should we also be addressing culture? Because a lot of times we just kind of chalk it off like, yes, those are those Christians who act so legalistic. Let's not be like them. But at the same time, what we're also saying is let's not adopt just because it's culture, just because it's accepted in culture or the world says things are done a certain way, that doesn't lead to freedom. And then, um, for through the spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Now, again, what was circumcision? Yes, part of the law, but also part of culture for the Jewish people. He's saying that doesn't have any value. 
The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cut who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. So good, right? And then we move down into verse, what is that? Verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And this is the part, I don't know, I just read this and I'm like, ah, anytime someone's talking about freedom, you know, real freedom. You, my spirit, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, there serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is filled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are under the law. You are not, if you are... But if you are not, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. <laughs> I love Paul. He's so just so direct. Come on, guys. Come on now. The acts of the flesh are so obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ouch. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with this its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Wow. Can you imagine him telling the people this talk about freedom, about the fruits of the Spirit, about just being so direct? This is what's causing you to, to be in the flesh. And he's just teaching them, be in the Spirit, be in the Spirit. Oh, wasn't that so good? I thought it was good. You got to go read it. I don't know. Just... Sometimes Paul's a little spicy. Sometimes he's just so rich with wisdom. And I just felt that that one, he was rich with wisdom. Second Kings 13 and 14. I got to tell you, there are, the names in here will make your head spin. So as yesterday, I said that the, the guys that killed um, Joash, I gave you their names, and I said I was going to talk about him. I wasn't. I just glanced to the next chapter and I saw what I thought I saw. But no, it's not. The king is actually... So when you read these books, even though in chapter 12, we saw that Joash was killed. But it's kind of like ending that story. But now we're going to go back a little bit to the king of Israel. So that was the story of the king of Judah and how... Um, 
let me make sure. Yeah. How Joash died at the end of chapter 12. And then you're like, well, why did he reappear on chapter 13? Did he come back to life? No, 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 no. We're just now making correlations. That's why the book is so clear when it says, in the 23rd year of Joash, son of Hazal, Hazal, whatever, king of Judah, J-E-H-O-H-A-Z, Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, became king of Israel. Any rate, for 17 years, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The only difference is, okay, so he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. However, when things were getting really bad because the king of Aram, which his name is Hazael, um, was like really suppressing them. So he cried out to God and the Lord heard him cry and he rescued him. But they didn't give up their evil ways. So God heard their cry, but they didn't give up their evil ways unfortunately. And um, so, but this king, he heard that Elisha was dying. So he went to go see Elisha. So you see, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but there's so many twists and turns about their life and their story. Because he goes to Elisha, because we know that God rescued him, even though he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but then he probably repented and cried out to God. God always hears our cry, right? So he went to go see Elisha. And Elisha actually said, open the window, get a bow and arrow, shoot the arrow a bunch of times. He only shot it three times. He's like, oh, too bad for you. You should have done it five or six times. Because he said, um... What did he say? Something about the number of times. You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. <laughs> okay. Funny, funny, funny. And so Elisha died and was buried. That's significant. So in Second Kings chapter 13, Elisha died. I don't know why there's not a big fanfare. I mean, it's kind of important. Anyways, okay, moving on to six, um, chapter 14. So here we were in chapter 13 with the king of Israel. Jehoahaz. Jehoahaz. Yes. Now we're going to move on to the king of Judah. In the second year of Jehoash. <laughs> At the beginning of every chapter, they make reference to where, because obviously these kings don't die at the same time and become kings at the same time. They kind of overlap. So they, the chapters do a great job of keeping you on track. And if you really like history, you just get out a big whiteboard and you start pointing who went where and people who like history. I think that would be super interesting. Um, so now we have Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah began to reign. He was 25 years, old, 25 years old when he became the king. Good guy or bad guy? Let's see. Ooh, Amaziah did right. Yay! In the eyes of the Lord. But not quite as his father, as his father David had done. Oh, that's too bad. He actually left the high places um, so people could do sacrifices and burnt offerings. Again, culture. I'm sure he left it up there because he didn't want to start a ruckus and he left and it was part of culture. These people were used to 
doing sacrifices at the high places. So he didn't remove it, right? Kind of like what we would do today. Um, if, if godly people were to come in, would they really get rid of all the evil? Or would they say, okay, you know, the culture does that. We won't bother. I don't know. Okay, but this king, Amaziah, did good in the eyes of the Lord. Um, and he was just capturing, redeeming things, getting rid of the people who killed his father. But he didn't kill the parents. This is an interesting verse. Parents are not to be put to death for their children, nor children to be put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin. So something happened here, and they are referencing what Moses said. Interesting, right? I'm sure we read it in the previous books, but now he's pointing it out. Okay, so it's going to talk about everything that Amaziah did as king. I'm sure he's going to die at some point. Someone's going to kill him, right? He lived for 15 years after the death of... Ba, 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 ba. Um, oh, yeah, sure enough. They cap- conspired against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to La Lachish. Oh, so unfortunate. Then all the people of Judah took Azariah. Okay, so basically Amaziah is killed by somebody again. And now there's a new king, Azariah, who was 16 years old and made king in place of his father, Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt Alath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his ancestors. Okay. Then at the bottom of chapter 14, oh my gosh, another king. In the 15th year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah. His name is Jeroboam. Not that name again. Jeroboam II did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So don't get it confused with Jeroboam number one. This is Jeroboam number two, who also, 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 also does evil in the eyes of the Lord. That was 2 Kings 13, 14, Proverbs 16, and Galatians 5. As you can see, it seems like the Old Testament is just like full of ugh, nasty. I read it at the end of the podcast because maybe some people don't get this far. But if you do, it's worth it because, yes, there's lots of crazy names. Yes, people are being killed. Yes, yes, yes. But how will you understand your rich culture? How will you know who you are if you don't know your past? So read it anyway, enjoy, have a great day, and I shall see you tomorrow.